Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Legendary Tales podcast, the podcast where we talk to you about cryptids, legendary folk, folklore, folk heroes, folk music. <laughs> We're not going to talk about folk music. <laughs> I am your host, Adam Bloor, and I am joined, as always, by Isadora Martin Dye. Hello. Today, I think we hit a bit of a of like a roadblock yeah, with so- our topic, which is interesting because what we picked was... Aliens. Extraterrestrial things. Yeah, extraterrestrial, which you'd think, based on what we talk about, would be, like, gigantic amount of topics. Well, when it comes to sort of people's favorite cryptids or, or, you know, whatever, there's probably nothing that's talked about more than aliens. Yeah, that's true, but I had a real tough time with it. I did as well. Also, uh, we were going to get ahead on our recordings of the week, mm-hmm. but we decided instead to move into a much more professional office. I hate it. Uh, Adam's feeling really sad because for the first time now he has a desk. It's awful. Like an adult. I'm anchored to something. He actually has a desk and we we moved. My husband and I decided that it was time that Adam officially joined our little the desk is mostly empty to be fair media stuff and he got his own desk but there was no room in our previous office so we've moved spaces and i mean it's it's super exciting actually the you know he just has to do some marketing now all part of that the brain thing where you trick yourself into actually being excited when you're anxious yeah um, so, so that's what I'm it's doing. been a big week for us um so i think in some ways we thought aliens was going to be a really easy phone it in topic we were like that's what we can do i mean aliens every everybody knows about aliens yeah. turns out i know squat about aliens yeah and also in my sense a lot of mine came with letters and i just got like it's all government so what i decided to do was look at the government agencies that investigate aliens mm-hmm. very specifically not any actual real alien encounters okay but like how the government has reacted to alien encounters okay and it's just a lot of letters okay like the aia the aaif gbt you're talking about the our government acronyms and and you're reading a piece of paragraph as you're going to hear in a minute and you're just like wait what yeah that's fair so that did my head in Okay. It was fun that I got to actually cite my sources as the CIA and the FBI. Yeah, that's really nice because it's super simple. Uh-huh. Those are real three easy ones. <laughs> so my other sources are How Stuff Works, History.com, Newsweek.com, and PopularMechanics.com. Whoa. I used some... Those are some actual sources. Real sources it's this not, week. not Wikipedia. I also used Wikipedia. As you do. Um, <laughs> so... We, yeah, I was, I, okay, so I went down a whole different, I must have picked five different topics mm-hmm. to before I got on this. Yeah. One was Crystal Skulls, which is, I think, what I originally said I was going to do. I think you did, yeah. Then, because our friend truly believes that aliens built the pyramids, I was going to do <laughs> Ancient Aliens and how they built the pyramids. But then I realized there was an amazing TV show called Ancient Aliens. and Oh, it's so bad. That show's terrible. Well, amazing. I meant amazing in the... It's like so bad, it's good. Yeah, that's how I meant amazing. Mm-hmm. And I realized I should probably watch some of it before I talked about Ancient Aliens, and I didn't. It's a, I mean, it's like a full series of a TV show. Oh, it's like 10 series yeah. of a TV show. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Uh, so then I thought, all right, well, I'll do something really easy, like Roswell. Yeah. And then I realized that actually, bearing in mind, I can't see this is the last time we're going to do... Oh no, because this is this is maybe not going to be the most thorough investigation. No, so I decided it. since since like I decided as opposed to doing like a singular incident, I'm going to give like you guys the background mm-hmm. 
so that then when we do instance like yeah actually specific things you guys will have more of an idea Mm -hmm. so you have to take notes for this episode as to how it will fit in you you as the audience because i'm not going to do it and i'm going to need a reminder (laughs) in like six months when we do this again so do know that roswell will come down the line Mm -hmm. as well this crazy incident of like one flying over washington dc which i'd never heard about Mm -hmm. and a whole load of other stuff but i'm kind of doing the humans side of aliens cool so are you ready let's do it all right So we're going to, it's basically my favorite thing to do in this podcast, which is a history lesson. Although my most recent source actually was only three weeks ago. Oh, cool. So it really, I'm I'm giving you 50 something years of alien history here. That's a lot. It is, only it might go quite quickly. Okay. So the emergence in 1947 of the Cold War was really what started sparking the UFO thing. Now, anyone who has watched Ancient Aliens can convince you that there have been alien sightings forever yeah and that they have been visiting earth for a very very long time but really no one seemed to care until the cold war started happening and that was primarily because at that point people were all worrying about spying Mm -hmm. so anything i think maybe thousands of years ago they saw a weird thing in the sky and they just went "Eh, weird thing in the sky i got bigger things to worry about but now the words get things in the sky were the biggest thing they had to worry about. Well, they could be Russian. Because like, they could be Russian. Yeah, or like, American, I guess, depending on which country you were in. Yeah. So the first real report of a flying saucer came on June 24th in 1947 when Kenneth Arnold, who was not a loon. As far as we know. I, to every he, had, he was a businessman. He had a pilot's license. Not a loon, Okay. An eccentric businessman with a pilot's license, and he isn't crazy. <laughs> was actually looking for a downed plane. Mm-hmm. Um, he was up helping do a hunt for a downed plane when he saw nine disc-shaped objects near Mount Rainier in Washington. That's a really popular place for for UFO sightings. Yeah, and I will say I'm s- less skeptical about UFO sightings than I was when I started I'm this. I'm more skeptical than I was. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I will, I will get into that when I talk about mine, but yeah. I'm less skeptical than I was. Not not, not more skeptical in the sense that I, I'm, I'm less likely to believe that there are you. Like, yeah. But I don't think we'll get to it. <laughs> we will get to it. <laughs> So they were apparently traveling at about a thousand miles an hour, which is fast at any point. But in 1947, must have been just them pulling a random number out of the air. Mm. And then his report was followed by a whole load of other people saying the same thing, including air traffic controllers, uh, military and civilian pilots. But he was the he was the first. Okay, so in 1948, Air Force General Nathan Twining head of the Air Tech Service Command, established the very first one of these many projects we're going to talk about, which was Project Sign. Okay. Uh, which was apparently originally named Project Saucer, but that seemed a little on the notes, so they went with Project Sign. And their job was to collect, evaluate, distribute, collate all information relating to sightings on the premise that UFOs might be real and of a national security concern. Yeah. So... All of this was really just set up to because they thought it was the Russians. Mm-hmm. Although how they thought the Russians had technology good enough to spend nine flying saucer satellites at a thousand miles an hour over the UK, US 
well, everyone was very paranoid. Yes. And we all had way too much information about what everyone else was doing. Yes. And at the same time, not like no information about yeah. what anyone was well, doing. Well, that's true. Um, anyway, it didn't take them long to conclude that UFOs were real but easily explained and not extraordinary. The Air Force found that almost all of the sightings stemmed from one or more three causes, mass hysteria, hallucinational hoax. But we're going to get in mm -hmm. to the kind of explanations. But nevertheless, many reports continued, including by the military. And this is one of the things that's really important to remember as we go through a lot of this is that almost all of these, well, all of these uh, sources that I'm talking about are government-led Things. So a lot of their information actually comes directly from Air Force pilots mm -hmm. that actually see a lot of the stuff. Okay, so by July 1948, Project Sign had actually come back and said, we think that the phenomena reported is something real, not visionary or fictitious. They concluded that visitors from out of space had arrived and they had two different versions as to how they were going to prove this, okay? So one of these was actually an incident that happened in Montgomery, Alabama in July on July 24th, 1948 to two pilots from the Eastern Airlines DC-3 who are Clarence Chills and Jonathan Whitted and they what reported initially what seemed like a distant jet aircraft to their right and just above them but it was moving very very fast and seconds later it streaked past them and one of and Whitted said it looked like one of those fantastic Flash Gordon rocket ships in the funny papers, which has got to be one of the most like 1940s <laughs> quotes of all time. It was a huge tube-shaped structure. Its fuselage three times the circumference of a B-29 bomber, with two rows of square windows emanating white light, and it looked like it was powered by a jet or other type of power shooting flame for the rear some 50 feet. So It sounds like it was just an airplane. It kind of, but they didn't report any wings on it. Okay. Well, it would have just been like the cockpit of an airplane, or the cockpit and then the fuselage. Yes. And some rockets on. Yes. How do you fly something like that? I don't know. Well, that's the point. Ah, right. Um, that's course. the point of what we're talking about. Silly me. I'm looking at a picture of a B-29 bomber. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yes. And it was apparently three times the size of a B-29 okay. bomber. That would be terrifying to see. It was also glimpsed by one of the passengers in the airplane that wasn't asleep. So I guess it was a because it was a passenger oh, airplane. right. Yes, of course. And so one of them wasn't asleep and also saw it. After it passed it, it shot up 500 feet and was lost in the clouds at 6,000 feet altitude. Okay. So... About an hour before and reported separately, a crewman in Georgia had seen the same or an identical object. And on July 20th in the Netherlands, they also reported seeing a similar object okay. moving swiftly through the crowds. Um, obviously, it didn't take long for them to figure that that was not something that could fly that quickly with anything that anyone could do in current technology or even now, as far as I can figure out, let alone mm -hmm. 75 years ago. Mm -hmm. So Project Sign prepared what they called the Estimate of the Situation, which was a very thick document stamped top secret that argued that this particular incident, along with other observed UFO, UFOs, could only be otherworldly vehicles. But when this estimate landed on the desk of the Air Force chief, he promptly rejected it on the grounds that it had not proved its case. 
Okay. So although this report has been proved as it's been confirmed, no one has ever seen it. And apparently it was destroyed. Okay. This report. Um, it's not helpful. No. And it's considered one of the holy grails of UFOlogy. 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 Yeah. Because I saw that I came across that word as well. And I was like, how do you pronounce this? Because I feel like there should be another O. Yeah, there and, should be. And a hyphen. It should be hyphenated. Yeah. But I, so is Ufology. it UFOlogy? UFOlogy? The study of UFOs. And, and people also at this point, newspapers had been reporting all of this stuff. So there was actually like a panic in the U.S. at this point about UFOs. Again, still tied to this idea that they might be Soviet. Russians, yeah, spies. Issues. So after this estimation of the situation that were concluded there were UFOs, they got shut down. Okay. Project Sign. They got replaced by a project called Project Grudge, which is such a weird name for a spaceship project. Hmm. But it was to take over where Sign had left off investigating UFO reports. But as Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruplet wrote, in doing this, standard intelligent procedures would be used. This normally means an unbiased evaluation of intelligence data, but it doesn't take a great deal of study of the old UFO files to see that standard intelligent procedures were not being followed. They were being evaluated on the premise that UFOs couldn't exist. That was where they had to start for Project Grudge. Okay. So Project Sign came from the point of view of they do exist, are they Russian? Yep. Project Grudge came from the point of view of they don't exist at all. Okay. So... And and they were operating under a debunking directive. The idea was they were worried that the mass hysteria was actually going to be caused by the Soviets to create panic in the U.S. So mm -hmm. they were actually doing a massive push. They wanted, they wanted to prove the negative. Yes. So they wanted to PR it out. And actually one of the major things that comes up with Project Grudge and its very famous successor, which is, and its very famous successor, which is Project Blue Book, is that PR was as, much a part of what they were supposed to be doing as uh, researching. Okay. Like, and that makes sense. One of the most shocking cases, the Lovelet Cunningham incident, which was studied under Project Grudge, involved an American Air Force sergeant allegedly abducted by a saucer-like aircraft, after which he was cleanly mutilated and left in the New Mexico desert. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this incident because this is one of those ones that is a government-reported one. It happened to government personnel. According to the book Military Encounters, base personnel did confirm an unidentified radar contact near the time that Lovelock vanished. The base dispatched several parties into the desert, but it would be three days before his new corpse was discovered, 10 miles from the site of the alleged abduction. And from all indications, his body had been exposed to the elements for only 24 or 48 hours. So where was he for the last for the third missing day. And he was the first, or this instance was the first one, I think, to describe the uh, saucer with the, like, bowl on top of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, the 1950s UFO. Yes, kind of that, exactly. The body had been, his genitalia had been neatly extracted like a plug. Okay. And his body had been completely drained of blood, but there was no vascular collapse usually associated with death by bleeding. Now, this was known as Grudge Report 13, apparently, and Grudge Reports 1 through 12 have been de declassified, as has number 14, but no official mention or account of, group of Report 13 exists. Is there anywhere to read those? 
Yeah, you can read them all online. So CIA and FBI have actually got all of these declassified reports online. Okay. It's really quite cool. Like they have pictures. They have all the pictures that people mm -hmm. um, took online. They've really, I mean, so we'll get into, we're going to talk about Mark Rubio, believe it or not, because I never thought I'd have to talk about Mark Rubio. Okay. Do you know who Mark Rubio is? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, but we're going to talk about Mark Rubio, but generally they have done a pretty good job of releasing these things now, but there are some big holes in what's being released, okay. including this 600-page document about yeah. this abduction. Okay. So no official information on Report 13 exists. The U.S. government denies its very existence. So the only details are known are from secondary-hand sources who have claimed to have seen and analyzed the documents. One account came from a controversial conspiracy theorist, William Cooper, who asserted he was tasked with the job of analyzing an annotated version of the Grudge 13 report in 1970. But he's a conspiracy theorist. The other one came from William English, a former Green Beret captain who was asked to analyze the document while assigned to a U.S. security service at Royal Air Force Base in England. So he's much more of a value, you know. Mm -hmm. Project Gudge issued its only formal report in August 1949. It's 600 pages long, and its conclusion states that there is no evidence that objects reported upon are the result of an advanced scientific foreign development, and therefore they constitute no direct threat to national security. In view of this, it is recommended that the investigation and study of reports of unidentified flying objects be reduced in scope. It basically says that it doesn't matter how much more you study it, you're only ever going to come to the same conclusions that we've come to, which is there's a reasonable explanation to this. Mm -hmm. And they actually lay out the four reasonable explanations. Misinterpretation of various conventional objects. A mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves. Individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetuate a hoax or seek publicity. And psychopathological people. Okay. Basically, crazies. Yes. So I think... Yeah, so that was in, they kind of got shut down 1949, 1950 after this report where they said basically they reported themselves out of a job because they said. Because they said none of it exists. Yeah. So, but yet, even though they said none of these exist and nothing and none of this is worth studying, 1951, they set up Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. In, over the course of Project Blue Book, it investigates 12,618 sightings dating all the way back to 1947. So they reassess grudges and sign stuff too. Okay. And 701 of these sightings remain unidentified, according to the Air Force. Okay. okay. So Project Blue Book is something that you can go into in like such a deep dive. It's also the beginning of what's known as the Magnificent 12. It was supposed to be 12 people set up part of this government conspiracy of like mm -hmm. hiding stuff. Um, that was actually how I got started on this was I went down Magnificent 12. It's been thoroughly debunked pretty much as not being real. Okay. But then so have many of these things, and I'm not convinced by that. But Project Blue Book was formed to determine whether UFOs presented a threat to our nation. This is a quote from Mark O'Connell, and he says, over time, when it was evident that the Blue Book was utterly incapable of answering that question, its mission became one of making the UFOs go away. It was open, It was running for about 17 years, and it went through a whole load of different leaders at this point. Mm -hmm. And each person who came into it was had their own way of attacking it. 
It was staffed by famous scientists, including a Nobel Prize winner, Louis Alvarez. And it had at the top at the head of its thing was always a US, uh, was always an Air Force general. In 1953, CIA actually had a panel on the Project Blue Book and dismissed its work as unscientific, further suggesting that the continued emphasis on the reporting of these phenomena does, in these perilous times, result in a threat to the orderly function in the protective organs of the body's politic, including the cultivation of a morbid national psychology. This was only a couple of years after it had been set up, and already it was being dismissed as pseudoscience. Okay. Some of the explanations that they came up with as to why the UFO were UFOs didn't exist have become pretty famous, including the Roswell incident. But in 1966, one of the more famous ones was there were hundreds of witnesses in Michigan who saw UFOs. And they put it all down to being swamp gas. In Michigan? In Michigan. Okay. So it, it's kind of, um, and, and it was a guy called Heineck who was one of the major people that was kind of a player throughout that 17 years. And he said, I was a thorough skeptic, but I'm afraid I hate, I helped to engender the idea that it must be nonsense. Therefore it is nonsense. Okay. They put out all this PR, basically. They wrote an article in, in again, they wrote an article with Cosmopolitan, basically calling anyone who believed in UFOs crackpots and oh, that's nice. insane. So they really set out this thing that people would stop coming forward. In fact, what happened was is the number of sightings dropped by like 75% okay. over the course of Blue Book because they had done such a really great job in convincing those that, believed in it that they were insane and that they would only be seen as insane if they came forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in 1969, the project was terminated and the Air Force concluded that none of the unidentified UFO sightings represented a technology beyond present-day scientific knowledge or extraterrestrial vehicles. Despite the U.S. Air Force concluding there is no likelihood that the Air Force will become involved in the U.S. investigation again, they were wrong because while they shut it down again in 1969 because UFOs don't exist and they found no evidence of UFOs, short, 20 years later, they were back at it. Of course. So just to conclude as to where we are now, 701 unidentified flying objects were identified as unidentified by the blue that, book. That sentence made no sense, right? They were designated as un, unidentified. Like unclassified, I guess. Undoes. Were they unclassified? Un. If they were decla- if they're declassified, that means we'd be able to read the reports, which I'm assuming. We're no, but they were unclassified, as in they didn't fit into swamp gas. Um, they were. There are 701 weird things out there, and they don't know why. Cool. Okay, so we're moving on to the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. What's the acronym for that? AATHP. You're gonna need to know that. Uh huh. And not to be confused with what we're going to talk about in a minute, which is the Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Application Program, known as the AAWSAP. And this is where my head exploded. (laughs) Actually, there's very little, I will say there's very little um, information about how those two lettered companies exist or (laughs) don't exist in conjunction with each other. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to talk about a man named Bigelow. Okay. Because he becomes quite important because he provides a lot of money and stuff 
for a little bit. So Robert Bigelow owns Budget Inns, you know, the yeah. hotel brand. So he grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, attended Highland Elementary School, and was first exposed to science through witnessing from a distance. I love that they had to put in from a distance. A number of the nuclear weapons tests conducted 70 miles northwest of the city. Okay. At 12, he decided his future lay in space travel. Despite his limitations in mathematics, he resolved to choose a career that would make him rich enough that one day he could hire the scientific expertise required to launch his own space program. So kind of Elon Muskie. Mm -hmm. Muskie. Yeah. He entered uh, University of Nevada in 1962, and he graduated from Arizona State in 1967. Don't understand that, but this is how America's universities work. So... He then went on to buy something in called Skinwalker Ranch in 1996. I think I've heard of that. Now, it's fairly famous as being a center of UFO stuff. It's like the privately held version of the Area 51. Okay. And he bought that in 1996. And a little bit later, he met up with Ted Stevens, who was a Republican representative of Alaska. And Daniel Inouye, who was the Repub Democratic representative of Hawaii. What? To, I know. <laughs> How these guys got together. <laughs> and he got these guys and his friend, Harry Reid, who was the Democratic representative in Nevada. Okay. So three fairly well prolific senators mm -hmm. and Robert Biglow got together and decided to set up a new space program. Cool. They got what's called black funding. Yeah, the illegal money. But it came from the government, so yeah. it's just basically not... It's not recorded. Really recorded. It yeah. slipped in as a little thing of $22 million. That was your tax dollars, if you're American. Yeah, $22 million to five years for operating this thing. Wait, do any of years. our listeners pay taxes? I have no idea. <laughs> um, if you don't pay taxes, stay young, never do it. Um, <laughs> never turn 18. So... Harry Reid, after he stopped being Nevada senator, did an interview with New York Magazine. And he told an interesting tale about the curious letter Bigelow received from a senior official from a federal national security agency. And he told Bigelow that he is interested in talking to him about what he's been working on and he wants to go to his ranch in Utah, Skinwalker Ranch. And... After vetting that this was, in fact, a government official, this very low-key scientist was granted a pass to visit Skinwalker Ranch. And somehow this was enough. Something happened at this appointment that this was enough to set up the ASWAAP or the AATIP, one of these two. They're not really sure which one. But I just kind of like this quote. In the living room of the former NIDS double-wide observation trailer staff quarters, a 3G object would appear from midair in front of him and change shape like changing topological feature. It went from a pretzel shape to a mobile strip shape. It was 3D and multicolored, and then it disappeared. And apparently the low-key scientist said, something should be done about this. Someone should study it. What? I don't know. Some dude, what I've concluded, because I have read a lot about all of this. So what's happened here is some multi-billionaire mm -hmm. has a jonesing to learn about spaceships. So he buys, in theory, I guess, like the UFO equivalent of the most haunted house in America. Yeah. Sets up a study there. 
invites the U.S. government along, mm-hmm. where they witness a 3D multicolored shape-changing ship. And apparently are like, all right, then we'll study this. That's enough for us. To be fair, it would be enough for me. Yeah, if I had the money. If I had the money. So that was enough to get $22 million and form a new agency to study ships. A The result of this was a 494-page, 10-month report, as it's called, which is chock-a-full of strategic plans, project summaries, data tables, charts, descriptions of biological field effects, physical characteristics, methods of detection, theoretical capabilities, witness interviews, photograph- photographs, and each one entirely and explicitly about unexplained aerial phenomenon, which, by the way, is what you're supposed to call them now. What? Unexplained aerial phenomenon. Why is it not UFO anymore? I don't know, but apparently Big Low changed the name. Oh, wow. Okay. So now it's UAP. Okay. UAP. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. (laughs) So initially the Pentagon said that, in fact, the AATIP had investigated UPAs, UAPs, under the leadership of Elizo who was the Officer Undersecretary of the Defense of Intelligence, also known as the OUSDI. They initially, they said, yeah, they were absolutely involved in this. And then they turned around and said, no, actually, we won't. Okay. So Alenzo resigned from the Pentagon in 2017 to protest government secrecy and opposition to this thing because he was like, we were absolutely involved in mm-hmm. this. We There's a... If you go on the FBI or the CIA website, one of the two actually has the paragraph where you can see them appropriating the funds to this thing. And so he actually then joined a pro-UFO called the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science because he believes there's very compelling evidence that we are not alone. This is, by the way, a senior member of Mm -hmm. government. He said there was very compelling evidence we may not be alone, and he has now joined this other thing to shed light on the programs that he was a part of and try and get all the documents released. Okay. Yes, do that. Yeah. So he then met up with Mark Rubio. Uh, isn't it Marco Rubio? Marco Rubio. He said Mark Rubio, and I was like, that sounds half right. Okay. And Mar- it was. So it was half right. Yeah, little Marco. Yeah, little Marco. <laughs> um, I remember him from the debates. So what happened next was that they released videos that showed UFOs as taken by the Air Force. Yes. So there were three videos made by naval aviators that are part of a larger issue of an increased number of training range excursions by unidentified aerial phenomenon in recent years. And that was a Pentagon spokeswoman who said that. Okay. That there's been a larger issue of unidentified flying objects in recent years. While, so this is all December 2017. They confirmed this exists. They released this report. And then they're like, but we're not worried. So we're done. And they say we're off and we're not going to do this anymore. So they shut down the AATIP <laughs> and open up the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenal Task Force. That's such a cool name. I know. That's such a cool name. I know. Um, so anyway, coming forward now, where we're at right now, in June of 2020, so just happening like right now, 
Senator Marco Rubio requested the release of video footage of unexplained aerial vehicles collected by the United States Navy, including the Pentagon UFO videos. They've asked for all of these videos to be released. On June 24th, the Intelligence Committee voted to require that the United States Intelligence Community and the United States Department of Defense is to publicly track and analyze data collected on unexplained aerial vehicles. And a report from the task force will be issued to the Intelligence Committee 180 days after the passage of the Intelligence Authorization Act. So... Was it passed? Yeah. Oh. And in July 2020... And I think it was July 24th, 2020. So a month ago, a month ago, not even that Rubio stated that he was worried that an adverse country had achieved some technological leap that allowed them to conduct this sort of activity. No. While also saying that there might be that this conventional explanation was boring. My point being that we've just gone through 75 years of UFO history Mm -hmm. And literally, it could be explained in two minutes, <laughs> which is there's lots of weird stuff that no one can explain, mm-hmm. but we could explain it if other countries were better at Air Force technology <laughs> than the US. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's really important to remember that a lot of this, I, I am not a huge conspiracy theory person. Yeah. A lot of this information really is available on the CIA and FBI websites, Mm -hmm. including pictures and things like that. And you can draw your own conclusions on it. I think it's really exciting that they are going to force them to release the video footage of stuff. Yeah. Because that is a lot harder. Well, they have released some of them. They have released some of it. But but this Pentagon woman said that the three videos were part of a larger issue of number of increased training. Because I watched watched those for... I was originally going to talk about UFO sightings, I think. And I watched those three videos and I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. So, but certainly Susan Goff, who's a Pentagon spokeswoman, made it sound like there were a lot more. I'm sure there are. And then the fact that in 2020, they have asked them to release unexplained aerial vehicles collected, footage of unexplained aerial vehicles collected by the United States Navy and Pentagon UFO videos mm-hmm. implies that it's not just the three that have been right, released. Right. Or maybe the three that were released were released without authorization. I don't think that they were. I think that they were. They, I think, I got the impression they were released by the government. Yeah, they were. Um, by the CIA, I yeah. think. Or they have, well, one of the, the yeah. three-lettered. One of the letters. Yeah. <laughs> one of the letters. So I got the impression that all of this, it's really interesting because I kind of got to the end of it and thought, I still don't, I thought, I honestly thought that the government stuff would, I kind of assumed that all of the government stuff would show that it was explainable. Mm -hmm. But when they can't explain it, they don't seem to even try. Well, it's more like when they can't explain it, they, it sounds like they they just want it to not exist. Yeah. Which is stupid. (laughs) I just think it's really, to me, it's just really funny how many times they've shut down. I'm not. That does, How much that they, does not. I'm sure that happens. Me, but. That probably happens with government organizations all the time. And each time they just come up with a more intense <clears throat> a name, a more ridiculous name. Yeah. I think this is really interesting, and I think it's really important because it it sort of it ties into the whole issue of like government transparency in the states, which we yeah. are really bad at um, as a country, as a as the government. Like the government's really terrible yeah. about telling the truth. <laughs> So I think this is like a very important sort of milestone in in transparency. I just, I honestly, when I got started with this, did not realize, I honestly thought I was going to talk about Project Blue Book. 
Mm-hmm. That was my, like, my knowledge going into this was that the History Channel had done a TV show called Project Blue Book based on the investigations. And I knew a bit about the Magnificent Twelve from another podcast I listened to. I think it was another podcast or one of those or like a Netflix show or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was going to look at kind of 1950s, 60s stuff where everyone was weirdly paranoid because of the Soviets. Yeah. I had well, and because n- of H.G. Wells. Yeah. I had no idea that, I had no idea that like, as of a month ago, mm-hmm. this was still all getting exactly the same debates. Yeah. yeah you would think that they have bigger stuff to worry about in June of 2020. I mean, well, it's just like, it's just one of, it's just one of those things. Like once the money's allocated to it, they're going to spend every single dime. I'm, yeah. And this, this could, <laughs> this could just be like a write off scheme. I don't know. I just, I'm kind of mad that in the middle of black lives matter movement, Corona, the economy collapsing, all the other stuff that has been going on in 2020, that they found the time in the intelligence committee to sit down and have a hearing on what UFO footage should be released. Everyone's got a job. The other side of that is if they're going to release it and people need to pick me up, come on, release it. Cause then at least now we can all go into a well, that, entertain yeah. ourselves with a conspiracy well, theory. That's what, that's what happened when they released the three videos was like, everyone stopped for, yeah, but what was interesting about that was that it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think any news outlet covered it when the th- when the three videos were released until like weeks later. When well, and that's one of the things that they actually said about the I don't know AA whatever 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 mm-hmm. is that it was never secret. Yeah, but just no one bothered to read it. And in fact, one of the guys that was involved in it said like basically came out and said that said like we we've released all our documents you guys are like you guys are conspiracy theorying because you haven't bothered to read the Mm. information that's out there yeah but those things are never like and if it's not reported on i mean yeah i'm sure people troll those websites all the time for information but if you're not aware that the information has been released or you don't have the patience or time to sift through a 600 page document because they're really boring I yes tried. um it's like reading legalese they're they're terribly convoluted on purpose yeah so they're not easy to to glean any information but my point being is that they're not it's not a secret it's not a secret although i do want to know where document 13 is yeah you shouldn't name your documents numbers sequential numbers no unless you're gonna skip 13 unless oh maybe that's it maybe they just unlucky maybe going back to our unlucky 13 maybe there there is no conspiracy theory maybe they just accidentally dropped it into a paper shredder yeah maybe they just decided 13 was an unlucky number it was whatever the name is for people who think triglyphobia adam's looking it up for people that are scared of the number 13 maybe they just decided not to report Number 13, and they just went. Triskaidekaphobia. There we go. Triskaidekaphobia. Which should be the fear of the number 17 in some countries. Yeah, we talked about that. Remember, Italy has a weird thing about, I think yeah. it's Italy has a 17. It's fear. Friday It's Friday the 17th. 17th in Italy. Go listen to that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, that's my thing on uh, American government studying UFOs without actually talking really about any of the UFOs that they studied. Yeah, that was a lot of information. Sorry. I feel like it leaked out of my ears already, which is unfortunate because it was very interesting. Um, should have tried researching it because like I was, <laughs> I actually wrote these notes up two or three times using different sources each time mm-hmm. because I mean, it was a, it's a rabbit hole. Well, like, I, I mean, I just skimmed it. So I, that you, I don't, I didn't read, I haven't read any government documents for this podcast 
podcast yet, I don't think. But when I was doing the D.B. Cooper stuff and yeah. I was reading the evidence, like collection notes, or I was just yeah. like falling asleep. Yeah. Because even that is very boring. And yeah. you're like, this was a man who jumped out. Like, and I get that their job isn't to write yeah. a story. It's to tell, it's to, it's to report fact. But like, I was still like, this man like jumped out of an, out of a GD airplane and is like missing. Like, why is this yeah. not more exciting? Well, I kind of felt that way. I have to say, I was reading that. I realized I, uh, doing this research made me realize that maybe I believe in aliens more than I thought I did. Yeah, because you were very, very skeptical. But it was more as I was reading the FBI and CIA stuff. I was like, and I'm not a conspiracy person at all, mm -hmm. but I was like, this sounds, <laughs> this sounds very definitive yeah. for something that I'm not sure is as definitive <laughs> as it could sound. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam. <laughs> all right adam if what that, are you telling us if about that stays in that was the sound of me almost falling over no that will get cut i so stole that again okay adam so what are you telling us about i'm today? talking about the interstellar interloper which is a lot more exciting than it sounds um it's a lot more it sounds exciting yeah it is it's actually kind of cool because it it's sort of so i don't have i've never been under the pretense that i'm that I'm a genius by any stretch of the imagination. I've always felt that I was at least fairly intelligent. And, and this like, week it's changed and, and you now believe you're a genius. And can understand when people talk about things, even if I don't understand, I at least have a sort of general idea yeah. and can probe and ask questions. But when I read into anything to do with astrophysics or theoretical physics, which is a lot of what I ended up reading last week, I felt like the biggest dummy. Like the, like literally the biggest dummy. Like it got to the point where I was like, I have to Google search what a solar system system is because I'm not, because I've read so many like gubbins words that I don't understand that I am now not sure that I know what a solar system is. Okay. So it's the things that rotate around us. Yes. Sun. Thank you. Um, okay. Yeah. It was, this is, this is an interesting one and it's important because when we talk, when people talk about like the universe. Yeah about how big it is. And it's so big that you can't even mentally, you can't wrap your head around how big the universe mm -hmm. is because it's so massive and ever expanding. And this is important because this sort of, it doesn't cement how big the universe is, but it just says that like, this is, it's a big thing. And we so got we have a friend named James. Yes, we And do. he is really into astrology and- Astrology is different than astronomy. Yeah, I meant astronomy. Yeah. Um, he's really into star science. He's really, he's a Pisces. Um, and he's actually a Gemini. <laughs> that two faced. And he's really into, he has a big telescope and all the rest of it. And it's made me realize I have no interest in it. I don't have any interest in trying to fathom how big the universe is. I think it's super cool. And yeah, I think I, people fall into two camps with it. I think I I may have gone off. I may have I may have dove in a little bit deep to, okay. to try to get into something that I have no prior knowledge of. Okay. So I'm gonna try to. Generally, though, do you look up at the sky and be like, "Where are we in the universe?" I know we're on Earth. I know we're in okay. the Milky Way galaxy. We're in the, on the in the arm of the Milky Way galaxy, and we're revolving around our sun. But do you, is that like something you consider is like where, what is our role in the universe? No, and where I don't, I, I'm more interested in the others, like the stuff out. I don't really care about like, Earth's like, role. like our role in okay. the universe. Oh. Um, I'm more interested in, and this is a very earth centric way of thinking. I'm more interested in how things are going to interact with us than yeah. the other way around. You're so American. Very, I'm very earthian, <laughs> very earth centric. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Oumuamua. 
Say that again five times fast. Omuramura, 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 omuramura. What? 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 That was supposed to be hard. I've been reading this word for the last seven days. Okay. On October, so okay, so on October seventeenth, twenty seventeen, the Pan Star Telescope at the University of Hawaii in Halekala observed an unusual interstellar body, which they named Oumuamua, which means the scout in whatever, I don't know what language, okay. the, the native language of Hawaii. I think okay. It's Polynesian, I think. The Panstars Telescope, which is a horribly long acronym, which I'm going to read now because that's <laughs> the theme of this episode. It's the Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System. Okay. And, and it's it, in Hawaii? It's Yeah, it's at the University of Hawaii. So you see, I feel like that this is something that comes up in the Big Bang Theory because doesn't Raj go and sit in the telescope room and look at telescopes in Hawaii? Maybe I've never watched much of that show. Okay, but you were going to say something. The governor from Hawaii. Oh, yeah, the governor from Hawaii. Who was involved. And this this telescope system was established with FBI money. Oh, Okay. It was established to observe celestial bodies like asteroids. Why does the FBI have any interest in? I don't know. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was FBI money. That's weird, yeah, right? It's it's a bit strange. Okay. So it was, it was built and established to observe celestial bodies such as asteroids, comets, variable stars, supernovas, mm -hmm. and mo more specifically, their interest is near-Earth objects. Okay. Specifically in impact range. Okay. An impact range is like millions of miles. Yeah. I just, I I guess I'd never given it any thought as to whose job it was to deal with that. I think it's interesting that it's at a university. Like I understand yeah. like at universities, they do more work than just teach yeah. drunk students. But I just thought it was interesting that, and in Hawaii as well. I wonder, why is that closer to the? I'm assuming less light pollution. Could be. That's a, I'll have to, I should have Because it's in, got to be the most. Least. I mean, it, it's definitely an American from a point of view of an American state. Yeah, it's definitely got to be you, the least light pollution. Think state. like Montana. Like yeah, the, but the, Hawaii's the, surrounded by ocean. That's true. I'm not saying Hawaii itself has got a least light pollution state, but I'm saying hmm. the grander scheme I, of Hawaii. Is I think in a much more it. I think it. Spot. I think it has more to do with its geographic position. Maybe. Okay. Should have looked into that. I think we probably both sound like morons right now. Maybe we'll do a mini sode on it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. It's time for me to sit back and let Adam do yeah, a 15 I'll, minute. I'll do a halfy. Okay. Um, right. So this was a an object they were interested in because it was coming very, very close to Earth. They observed it on the 19th of October. And mm -hmm. at that point, it had already passed its closest point to the sun, which would have been like around September 9th, they think, okay. so like a month earlier. And the distance was 15 million miles, which to put that into perspective is 60 times from the Earth to the moon and back. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge distance, but obviously it's, I guess it's close in space terms. I'm always surprised by how close the moon is in miles. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what. The I don't know is. what the distance <laughs> is, but anytime anyone is like. What's well, much closer than literally everything else. In, in yeah, but also it's like. Solar system. It's only as far as it would be like driving from here to Scotland a couple of times. Straight up. One of the telescope operators, astrolog astrologists. Man, science, science, astrophysicist, science people was quoted as saying, to be frank, Oumuamua is nothing is like nothing else in the solar system. This okay. is the first they call it the scout because it is the first interstellar body to enter our solar system. OK, basically an interstellar body um, or the interlopers, as they're called, um, are unaffected by our sun's gravitational pull. And okay. that's how they 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 
figured out that it wasn't from our solar system. Okay. So now we'll go a bit into what was unusual about it. Uh, its shape, it was oblong. And apparently things that come into the galaxy don't tend to be as much longer than they are wide. Okay. It was 400 meters long, and it was 10 times longer than it was wide, which was very, like, weird. So when you see, like, they don't, they, they've never taken a, they never took a picture of it. Oh, There's, that is weird. And so the way that they record its shape is is by its tumble. So as it's traveling through space, okay, they're yeah. taking, they're not pictures. It's some sort of imaging technology. I think it's mm-hmm. like so, not, maybe sonar. Yeah, sort of. yeah, yeah. And they record the light reflecting off of it. Okay. And they found that every time it tumbled, like 10 times more light was reflected when it was on its long, what must have been its long okay. end. Okay. So that's unusually long, though, for something yeah. to enter our solar system. Because, you know, Halley's Comet, which is... Is similar in the sense that it's an asteroid that is, it's a comet, sorry, that is affected by our sun's gravity is not, is not that shape. Yeah. It's huge, but it's not like. They're essentially round. Yeah. And yeah, and those shapes, those oblong shapes don't occur in the Milky Way galaxy at all. We've never seen anything that looks like this. Its color was also a bit strange. It was very red on the surface, um, which implied that there was a long exposure to radiation solar radiation so it must have been coming through our solar system for a very long time okay something like 10 million years of travel okay um pluto is is like it's strange just pluto is also very red on its surface so it was a bit like pluto's color and its movement was a bit strange so it was moving faster than our sun's escape velocity which means that like Halley's comet yeah is affected by our sun's gravity yeah it moves at a everything that in our galaxy moves at a certain gravitational pull, depending yeah. on how close or far away it is yeah. from the sun. Oumuamua was moving faster. So it couldn't have been again, it just yeah. it just reiterated that it wasn't from our solar system. Yeah. I don't understand how something cannot be affected by gravity. This is what's unusual about this. Okay. It was like its force was stronger than the sun's gravitational pull on it. Like its speed or yes. like okay. Yeah. But it also wasn't moving very quickly. Which is a bit unusual. Okay, because do you know what I mean? Like, even with an airplane, the whole point of an airplane, mm-hmm. how it stays in the air, is it's moving. It's It's got to move faster it's fighting, than... It's fighting it's gravity. It's fighting gravity pulling it down. Well, it's fighting Earth's gravity. Yes, so... So, so it is different in space because it, you're fighting... It was... Oumuamua was essentially, as far as I understand, and I think I'm correct in my readings of this, was fighting sun's the sun's gravity. gravitational pull. I'm winning. But and, then again, so, like, I guess so, Earth is fighting the sun's gravitational pull and wanting. And so what's interesting. Because else would be in the sun. What's interesting about it is if you can watch its flight trajectory, trajectory into our solar system. And it comes in uh-huh. and then slingshots back out the other. Because as soon as it gets, it doesn't beat the sun's gravity. It just is, it's affected differently okay. by, by the okay. sun's gravity. I think I, is how I should have explained okay. it. It basically, normally things slingshot like around the sun. Yeah. This came, yeah, this came in and down and then launched off like in the other direction instead of being pulled into okay. our solar system. I'm not sure how I'm going to do the cover up for this episode. Just a big way. rock. Big rock. You can find like artist renditions okay. of this thing. Right. So it was moving faster than solar, our solar system's escape velocity. It was tumbling every seven and a half mm-hmm. hours, which is how they determined its shape and size. And its tumbling was a bit unusual as well. Um, it didn't show any signs of outgassing. So... All asteroids tumble, um, and it's because liquid gets trapped in ice on the surface of the asteroid. Okay. And as it gets closer to the sun or, you know, light hits yeah. it in different ways, 
the ice melts, gases are released, and the asteroid tumbles. Okay. And that results in comet tails. Okay. That's the debris coming oh, off okay. of the comet. It showed no signs of outgassing. So it was sort of moving of its near, seemingly of its own volition. Okay. And the tumbling, which was slightly erratic as well in its sort of shape, mm -hmm. um, indicated that it had a, a slightly difficult time when escaping its own solar system. Like maybe it was ejected and it bumped into a planet or a star or okay. or something, which is unusual, I guess. I couldn't find why, but the, people were very interested in the fact that it wasn't outgassing. It was tumbling for seemingly no reason. Okay. So I found an article. Uh, this is from The New Yorker, written by Isaac Chantier, uh, written on January 16th, 2019. And the title is, Have Aliens Found Us? A Harvard Astronomer on the Mysterious Interstellar Object, Oumuamua. The Harvard astronomer's name is Abraham Loeb, um, and he is the head director of Harvard's astronomy department. Okay. A theoretical physicist, very smart space guy, has worked his whole life in astrophysics. Yeah. Will know more about space than, you know, in his lifetime than anyone, than like, 400 people will know in theirs. Very, very smart. And he, based on the evidence presented by Oumuamua, believed that it was a, it was sent intentionally from another solar system to spy on us. Okay. Maybe not spy on us, but will you gather information? Yes. As a, as a probe basically. And so he was under, he thought we should try to communicate with this, this rock. Uh, and so Loeb thought that we should try to communicate with this rock he said, if those beings are peaceful, we could learn a lot from them. Okay. Apparently, we did try to bounce a radio signal off of it at some point because it was emitting some sort of frequency that was a bit unusual. Um, a, and it looked and acted a bit like radio waves. Okay. But it didn't, it never responded. responded. So it was just a, inconclusive. And it was just like, we're not going to, the government was basically like, we're not going to spend the money to keep bouncing radio signals off of this rock. Yeah, they were real happy to spend the $22 million to yeah. continue to investigate yeah. other UFOs. Yeah, well, <sighs> okay. Just it's just, you know, government spending money is uh, something I could probably talk about for days. Yeah. And so he published, and so they referenced an article that he published for Scientific American, which I read, and he wrote it to alert the community that we should be paying a lot more attention to the next interstellar visitor because he was very frustrated that once it was captured, it sort of was... They were like, oh, that's cool. This came from outside of our solar system. It's acting very strange. What year was this? 2017. That's kind of crazy. When it was, yeah. And that they didn't take a photo of it. They, I don't, yeah. And I don't understand how taking pictures in space works of things that are like moving that quickly. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. But we have pictures of Halley's Comet and it yeah. passed fair. And it, I mean, it passes pretty far away. I mean, it's far away from the earth, but we yeah. see it every, like every however many years. Yeah. Could so, you see this? Like, could you see this object from us? Um, like I didn't read any reports of okay. it. I'm thinking it might have been too far away to see it. Okay. Because it was still like, yeah, 60 million miles yeah. away. And I, I think Haley's Comet's a bit closer than that. Okay. So I'm going to basically go over those points again of okay. the, the unusual things, but what Abraham thought that it okay. implied. So the size, again, much bigger than anything in our solar system. Loeb thought that that implied the population of interstellar objects is far greater than expected, meaning that planets outside of our solar system are bigger. Okay. Stars are bigger. That's yeah. why this asteroid is so gigantic. Okay. Each star in the Milky Way needs to eject much more to account for the population of implied interstellar bodies. So planetary bodies like, yeah. like Earth and Mars and all the yeah. eject a certain amount of debris. Mm -hmm. 
but they're not ejecting enough to imply the size, something the size of Oumuamua, basically. Okay. Right? So, okay. So there must be planets that are bigger, pushing much more and bigger debris out. And this is the first time we've seen it. How is that possible? Okay. He's, he thought that it never should have been discovered because it, it was such a rarity. There's no way that this ever should have come into our solar system. It wasn't designed to come and spy on us. It just kind of, it was a glitch. He thought, no, he, yeah, he thinks that, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think because asteroid population in the galaxy is, was hypothesized to be much smaller, like okay. the, oh, the size of the asteroid, not the overall size yeah. of the asteroids. No, wait, the, the overall size of the asteroids, not the total amount of asteroids in the, in space. Okay. Okay. Right. This is all very like heady and wordy. He thought the overall speed was unusual and it could have been used as camouflage because it was moving at the same rate as like another, as a moon or something in, in our solar system. Okay. And so we, so it like maybe we wouldn't have been able to pick it up because we would have thought it was something else. Oh, so is he saying that usually these things are not that it glitched into our galaxy? He but thought it was it, sent here intentionally. It's sent here intentionally, but usually they do a better job of stealth fighter planning. Yes, it, yeah, yeah. Like we never should have seen this because, because usually because, they hide it better because we would have been seeing these for for hundred or for as long as we've been inspecting okay. the solar system if. Right, if it wasn't on purpose. Okay. It was, yeah, traveling too slowly to be expelled from a star as big as would have been required to move something that big. Okay. Since we have no photos of it, every rendition you see it looks a bit like a cigar. Yeah. He thinks it might have been flat. Like it might have actually been like more disc shaped. Oh, you see, I imagined that it was disc shaped. In so my brain. that's interesting because whenever, and it might have been because I had the bias of seeing the pictures yeah. beforehand, I immediately assumed that it was like a bit of Stonehenge basically tumbling through the. Whereas I imagined it was a plate. Right. And then at that point, if it is more of a dinner plate shape, it can utilize Earth's or Sun's gravity as like a light sail. And then it can pick up speed and leave. I guess the reason I thought dinner plate was because I've been reading about UFOs. Yeah. Dinner plate. Shape. And see what's interesting about it. Oumuamua is that when, as it like approached the sun, it picked up speed. And as it left the galaxy, it moved faster than it should have for its okay. size. And so they, and with no evidence of outgassing. Yeah. They're like, why, why is that happening? Cause as soon as it's affected by gravity, so essentially it's solar powered. That's what they, that's what heat yeah. was under the impression of. Right. But no heat was detected on the surface of the asteroid on the okay. surface. Of, it would. Okay. That was and so it must be a very reflective surface. Okay, but there was no. In order for it to be reflective, there would have had to have been ice or something. But it wasn't outgassing, so there wasn't any ice. Just okay. very strange stuff. And, and again, a deviated trajectory as it left our solar system, which he thought implied that it was fighting the sun's gravitational pull, which is very unusual. Yeah, sun's very strong, but no comet tail, no outgassing. How could yeah. it be doing that without showing any Power. of the signs of a normal comet? Yeah, exactly. He was quoted as saying, a quarter of all the stars in the Milky Way have a ha habitable planet the size of Earth with the potential to have liquid water on the surface. Mm -hmm. which I didn't know. That's a huge number of planets, even like specifically just in our solar system, like, yeah. like in our galaxy. And the chemistry of the potential to have liquid water on the surface and the chemistry of life as we know it. So like how like he's, he's saying that even if. <sighs> oh, I absolutely believe. Yeah. <clears throat> logically that there is a planet out there with intelligent beings on yes. it because there is no way that we are the anomaly in no, that no. in this huge size especially of, with the just the numbers like like yeah number wise there's no way there's going to be one one planet that has planet out of billions exactly 
that have managed to produce intelligent yeah, life. Exactly. Doesn't mean I necessarily believe that they're here. Right. Um, and I agree with that as well because Abraham, obviously, I'm having a lot of time, a hard time right now, obviously trying to decipher this and to even like in my layman's terms, I'm yeah. having a hard time sort of communicating this. Yeah. He's obviously a very smart guy. And yeah. what he, so he's a bit skeptical about UFO sightings because he thinks that we, as a, as a, as a society, as a human yeah. society have developed amazing innovations in capture, like in video and in yeah. image capturing. He is, he's like, how have we not taken a picture? How have we not captured a picture of a UFO yet? Although people would argue we absolutely have, and they've just been discredited. Mm -hmm. Or that even despite our advances in technology, we're still not good enough to capture images yeah. of these things. So that's all very interesting. Um, Recently, this year, uh, in July, I think, no, sorry, in April, an article was published called Oumuamua was a unique object. Now, astronomers think there could be trillions just like it. Oh. Written for- Rather, rather forgetting what the word unique means. Written for Astronomy Now by Keith Cooper, published on April 14th, 2020. A couple of astronomers developed a simulation to simulate the formation of Oumuamua. And it replicated a parent body- the pa their parent body, it replicated the planetary body pulling apart and creating these elongated shapes. They managed to somehow, using this simulation, okay, recreate the exact way that this was. Yeah, that this would have that these could have been formed. There were two scientists named Yun Zhang and Douglas Lin, and they believe and they posit that comets, asteroids, and rocky planets can be torn apart if they fly too close to a star. So they think that Oumuamua was basically an asteroid of a giant planet that came too close to a star that was stronger than the the strength of the planet and just ripped it apart. And it created okay. this really long thing. And that after the planet was destroyed, it got sucked into that star's gravity and then was whipped around and then flung out into okay. the Milky Way. That the surface is covered in ice and it melts and refreezes as it leaves the orbit of the sun. Okay. Therefore, the water and the carbon dioxide that's that's trapped under the ice uh, sublimates. So it 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 leaves the asteroid before it gets to our solar system. Okay. And so when it's traveling around, when it's coming into our sun's heat, it doesn't show any outgassing. Well, so then the idea is that it's basically in a rotation of perpetual motion. I think so. Okay. I mean, like, asteroids can still tumble without outgassing, right? I mean, that, that's, they can. They, okay. They, I'm, I am saying they can. I'm not okay. asking you a question. I'm I, like, I have no I idea. Said, I said right for some reason, and I'm not sure why. But they were like, I mean, this thing could have still just been tumbling of its own, not of its own volition, but because of the force, of its ejection force from the past solar system. And it was just unaffected by our sun because it was moving so quickly. Okay. Even though it was moving slowly. Yeah, slowly for slowly for something, quickly for now. That, that was the thing too. It was like I was like, who is like who's deciding whether or not this thing is moving quickly or fast? Because twenty kilometer, like twenty million kilometers a second, sounds pretty fast to me. But apparently, it's not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you may get to this, but I feel like they have enough data on whatever this is to be able to type it into a computer. Someone a lot smarter than me and be able to say, well, with the, be able to say, well, with the gravitational pull being X amount, the speed being at a Why amount? At a certain point, I may have tried. I maybe should have tried to address this in a different way and leave all the science stuff out of it, since I don't understand it and can't properly 
articulate it. Yeah, but we're here to try and discover what the truth behind these things is, not just... Right, so I, I, I eventually just had a massive migraine and, like, couldn't look at equations anymore. Okay, so there were, tr- there were equations associated. Of course there were. There have, yeah. to, there have to be equations. But I think these two uh, astronomers, uh, Zhang and Lin... Uh, they, they managed to figure it out, and they think that this is that the explanation is actually it was just a huge planetary body that was pulled apart by some distant sun, and then. And I'm assuming that's so recent that article now no one's had a chance to refute it. Yes, yet. Um, that is that is absolutely so. The currently, case. that is the that's, that seems to be the theory. They say the population of rocky interstellar bodies is much larger than we previously thought. Each planetary system could eject. 100 trillion objects like Oumuamua. What's interesting about this is, to me, was that Loeb was under the impression that this was a unique interstellar body. And yes. that due to its size and the speed that it was traveling and the way that it was traveling, that it must have been sent here intentionally intentionally, and we accidentally caught it on camera, basically. Yeah. But the we talk about how huge we talked about how huge the universe is. It's, yeah. So the there's always the chance for something unusual to be created. Mm-hmm. I guess it's whether or not you believe something that unusual could have made it here. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that part of me goes, well, if it's a natural thing, we would see it before and since. Yeah. Because if there's trillions of them getting released, even if it might not have been that size, or it might not have been, there would have been a couple of the points that make it unusual that would have been seen Uh before. Mm -hmm. The other side of me thinks we've only been looking at the sky for 400 400 years. years, And that thing's been traveling for 10 billion. So there may have been 20 billion of them that have come through and we just not were looking up. We've only had one other come through our solar system in the last three years. Uh, It was called, I think it was called Boris. It's like interstellar Boris 2GV or something strange. But it's the only other similar interstellar body to come through our solar system like Oumuamua, but it wasn't nearly as big, I don't think. Okay. So, I mean, in, in the last three, obviously they're going to be much more attentive to these things. Yes. Yeah. Um, because it, or does. else there's more coming. Oh yeah. That would, <laughs> yeah, this is just the, this, the recon unit and the fleet will be arriving soon. Well, according to the Pentagon, they're already here. So the interesting thing, so Loeb said something else, and I didn't write it down, but I'm going to try to remember it. He okay. said he his opinion of the, like, domed UFO, mm-hmm. he thinks it's, like, a not a fallacy. He thinks it's a bit of human conjecture. Yeah. Because we want to be able to understand these things, so we frame them in a human way. Yeah. If we were to build UFOs, they would look like UFOs from Attack on Mars or whatever. Or they would look like our B-29 bombers without mm-hmm. wings, you know, because that's how we – that's how we yes. that's how we rationalize. Yes. So he thinks that this this might be a bit more so we look at it. We look at we looked at Oumuamu and we said that's just a rock because it doesn't look like a UFO or a rocket ship that we've biased ourselves towards. That that therefore yeah. it can't be. Uh-huh. But if life is out there and it is smarter than us, they might just be trying to camouflage their their, you know, Ships as their ships as rocks, and then we can't see it as a as a rocket ship or a UFO, so we won't say that it is. Mm-hmm. We'll just say it's a big rock floating in outer space, and it very well might be, or it could be a giant camera taking pictures of Earth. I wish they could have predicted twenty twenty though. It yeah, would have been nice if they could have just sent us a bit of a warning beforehand. Yeah. 
2020. What a mess. I know. We have a bride that sent me a message the other day. We own a wedding venue in Virginia, and as you can imagine, it's been not successful this year. Um, and she just sent me a message, and it was finished by just another chapter of 2020 or something similar along those lines. And I was like, well, yep, that pretty much. That's how I feel every night when I go to Unfortunately, sleep. I think one of her bridal party's family passed away from COVID. Oh, no. And she was like, yep, that's the year. That sucks. That's Big Rocks. That was it. That was Big Rocks. I like Big Rock. Um, I do too, but my God. When Did you, you feel dumb? When you read, so I've read Cosmos, the Carl Sagan book. Okay. And it's very interesting and mm -hmm. it's very, it's not impossible to read. When you read literature written by people like Abraham Loeb or the, the Zhang and Lin, the two astrophysicists. Who, by the way, Zhang and Lin, like. Loeb seems like a seriously well-respected scientist. Um, they worked for like, uh, I think Lynn worked for the University University of Denver as an astrophysicist. Okay. And Zhang works, I believe, I want to say he was in Either some way, Asian not country, dumb an Asian country, like at a university as an astrologist. Okay. No, and I think one of them developed the technology that they used to create the simulation okay. of the planet being torn apart. Okay. So no, not dummies at all. Like- Again, very intelligent. Yeah. And if, I mean, if you're going into an astrophysics, astrophysics and theoretical physics, you're not, you're no slouch in the brain department. I don't know. I just know that I'm not a stupid human. No. No one has ever accused me of being, a lot of them have accused me of being uncoordinated and unable to string a sentence together. Yes, you are those two things. But no one has ever accused me of being stupid. For whatever reason, I just have... I've never even, I don't even know what order our planets are in. That's how little interest I have in the solar system. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I had to learn it for school. I think there was an acronym for it. Mm -hmm. I just have no interest. When people, you know, again, coming back to James, I wouldn't say we have an argument a lot, but, you know, he's big into NASA. And I understand that they have helped with many technological advances that have got nothing to do with space travel, mm -hmm. really. But, you know. Many things coming out of NASA have helped us in our day-to-day -day lives, including, I think, GPS came out of NASA, did it? Uh, if it wasn't NASA, it was at least the military. I think, I think it might have been the military. I think, you know, they've produced a whole load of stuff for us, NASA. Don't get me wrong. And I absolutely believe they should be funded. But when we talk about funding them or the UFO technology or whatever over mm. health care or... Mm -hmm. I just can't seem to get that passionate about space. Well, no, well, well, when you look at like the budget, like the government budget, like I don't even think NASA is like a blip on the map. That is true. It's that like, is cause true. Because like eighty five percent of our of our government funding goes to the yeah. military. That is true. But yeah, that is true. But yeah, it's it's just something I've never, I've learned more about. I've learned more about NASA, and by the way, I didn't mention NASA once in what I was saying. <laughs> but I've learned more about government and space in the last week than I think I've managed to commit to my brain in the last decade. Last 30 years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at school I had to. Yeah. What's, yeah. Know I, stuff. I, I think I remember the acronym, but all I know is, you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, do we have any idea what we're doing next week? Mm -mm. We'll leave reading, everyone's Reading surprised. all that information again made me want to take a nap. <laughs> so Adam's going to maybe do a mini episode on Hawaii. Hawaii's space probe telescope thing let's edit that out just in case i don't uh, okay i'll leave it in just in case out. he does i'm gonna leave it in and then you have to do it uh we have a couple of we how are relaunching the instagram account yeah slightly 
Yeah, with a new social media manager. Uh-huh. Adam has a desk now. I have a desk now. I have to do the Instagram, which but is fine now. because I'd like I'd like to take more responsibility on for this podcast. So he's in and charge of that stuff. Because, again, I mean, you guys are really coming through every yeah. week. You, you guys are downloading the episodes and you're listening to them, and we really appreciate it. And so we want to try to give you more of a community base where you can talk to each other or talk to us if yeah. you want. So we're going to really try and push Facebook group so that we can get people yeah. talking yep. and Instagram. But uh, funnily enough, I was speaking to someone on another Facebook group I'm a member of, and uh, we were talking podcasts because that was the point of the group. They said something along the lines of trying to get people who would never normally listen to podcasts or listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, coincidentally, that's kind of what we seem to have ended up doing <laughs> with our tell your grandma. Tell your grandma. Tell your <laughs> dog. Tell your dog. Tell your teacher. So we're going to try and come up with some fun little things for those as well. Yeah. On the Instagram. Because you really should tell your grandma because you know what? She may. She might be bored. She may need a insight into the outside world. Maybe I, Corona's getting to her. I mean. Everyone's everyone's stuck in their houses still. Doesn't have to even be our podcast. Just a podcast, but it should be our podcast. It sh I mean, it should be. Yeah. Let's be honest. We're trying to make this our jobs. So don't go talk. listen to other podcasts. So none of them. None of them. Don't, don't listen to don't any. Don't you dare cheat on us with another podcast. Um, but tell your grandma and guys, please, 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 please review us. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Yes. Come on the Facebook group, which I promise within the next probably the time this episode gets put up in the next twenty four hours might look a little bit more existent feasible <laughs> lived in. so guys we want to hear from you and as always thank you so much for listening we really really appreciate it and we will see you maybe midweek maybe next week certainly next week certainly at least next week for sure and if any of you reach out and tell us what you want to hear we will officially i promise right now if you reach out before friday this yes. episode will come out tuesday if you reach out by friday we will do your topic for our next week's episode. And if you want to do that, shoot us a DM at the... Instagram's your best bet. At the Instagram, which is the Legendary Tales pod, at the Legendary Tales pod. Yeah. Or send us an email at thetruthoflegends at gmail.com. Hey, Adam I, wrote down our contact I, information, finally. I wrote it on the desk. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.